What's up, goats? Welcome to season two of Startup Hype Man's Goat to Market Show. I'm your host, Startup Hype Man founder and chief pitch artist, and of course I go by the name Raj Nation. This season we've got a special treat for you. If you haven't already heard, I officially dropped the album Goat to Market, the first ever hip-hop album about you, founders, and about the life, startup life. Goat to Market is an eight-song concept album telling the story of a founder's journey from idea to capital raise. It's a story of struggle to success, getting up after being knocked down, breaking down in order to break out, and dealing with the doubt, distractions, and detours, and route to dominating and becoming, well, the GOAT. Now, a lot went into making this album, from the initial concepting, to the beat making, to the lyricism, to the overall storytelling, and someone who was instrumental in bringing it together was a man by the name Pablo Gonzalez. Pablo is the founder of Be The Stage, a company that specializes in creating digital word of mouth via streaming podcasts, interactive trade show boots to run podcasts live off the trade show floor, online content, and so much more. And Pablo has become a good friend of mine over the last couple of years, and I decided to make him the creative director for the album. So think of his role almost as my creativity consultant, helping me get out of my head, helping me figure out the album's story arc, working with our producer. He even makes an appearance on one of the tracks. For this season of the GTM show, instead of me interviewing other guests, I'm actually the one being interviewed by Pablo. We talk about the album, the concepts and themes, the behind the lyrics, you know the deal. Listen, I put my heart and soul into this album, and this is my way of letting you inside my head. Haven't heard the album yet? Goat to Market is streaming everywhere. So if you're on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Tidal, or any other random network, just search Goat to Market or Raj Nation and get ready to be taken on a musical journey. And if you want to chat with me directly about the album or about anything you're going through with your startup, whether that's pitching, figuring out your go-to-market strategy or something else, Remember, I'm just a DM away if you join our online founder community, the Goat to Market Club, at startuphypeman.com slash gtm dash club. Without further ado, I give you season two of the GTM show, appropriately titled Making the Goat. NXT, I remember when you told me at one point that you wanted a very simplistic beat that you could just dominate. What made you want to do this track? Were you thinking of lyrics that you already wanted to hit on? Was it a mood thing? What was the origin of this track? I I had the first couple bars already figured out in my head, right? Yo. I really think I should go on vacation, but recently these VCs sneakily screening me like push notifications, and it's no motivation. I'm going coast to coast just to have doors closed in my faces. That was already in my head, and I knew I wanted to keep doing lines that were similar to that style and cadence and flow and that level of punchiness. And I feel like every rap song I know of that is like that is a simpler beat that just lets the artist go off and the beat doesn't necessarily need to overtake the lyrics at any point. It can just be something that's almost more just like a nice like melody that you could just bob your head to. Even if there's no words, you just be like, oh yeah, I feel this vibe, that kind of thing. Good, A good example is Drake's 7am on Bridal Path off Certified Lover Boy. That song is similar vibe. And I know that was something that I that, that was probably one of the inspirations for having a song of this style because that's probably my favorite song on that album. 
and that's that that's how the that was the the start of this and i just i felt like if i could speak with some hubris for a second <laughs> you may i was like we need a song that really taps into the full capability of my lyricism and that is only going to happen if we create a song that's really just again that like simple beat where i can get as creative with the lyrics as i want to and allow it to even have parts where it's technically not on beat but it's still on beat yeah totally and it's funny because this was the first time this was the first song like i had been playing songs for my wife and then when i played this one she's oh Rush sounds like Drake. That's awesome. So how did these first how did these first couple lines hit you? What is this idea of going on vacation and VCs and stuff like that? Talk talk me through. It sounds like it was born off of like you figuring out the first couple lines and then you wrote the rest as it came to you. I had those first set of bars figured out. And the whole ethos behind this song is it's someone who it's the founder who's I am the shit. I am the next big thing, right? NXT is the next, right? I am this. How come none of y'all see it? I see it. How come you don't? Like That's the idea behind this song. So it, it's the push and pull between feeling yourself and other people not feeling you and feeling yourself and other people not feeling you and trying to trying to find your balance or your position amidst all of that. So what this song really does and this is probably, I want to say, maybe this is my favorite song on the album, just from a lyrical standpoint. Every line or nearly every line has a double meaning or sometimes a triple or a quadruple meaning or entendre behind it. So whether it's a layup metaphor or simile, or it's the words behind the words, what does that mean? Or the words behind the words, what does that mean? So you open up and you say, I really think I should go on vacation, which is how many founders are like, oh my God, I need a break. I really yeah, could totally. use a vacation, but they can't because they feel like, oh no, I got to keep working, right? Uh, now is not the right time. So it's, I really think I should go on vacation. But recently these VCs sneakily screening me like push notifications, right? Screen, push notification shows up on a screen. And they what do they do is they screen founders to see, are we going to pursue them or pursue their opportunity or not? Cards face up and I'm showing them aces. They say they ready to disrupt, but they sew into stasis. These poker faces on the road, but I ain't a joker. The ledger said I'm the chosen son, but y'all are staying fair weather like Roker. Passionate highs going for broke, sir. So all these VCs, oh, we invest in innovation. We invest in disruption. You're like, hey, I've got something disruptive here. Yeah. And turns out you want to maintain the status quo, the stasis. Yep. Here's where we start to get into the layers too. So this pushing into the next line. So you've got cards face up, I'm showing them aces and mm-hmm. then poker, right? So like we're playing poker now and they've got yeah. poker faces because they say it's all good and then it's not. But I ain't a joker, right? The joker's the card, the D, yep. the, the out of bounds card, the one you don't want. Mm-hmm. The ledger said I'm the chosen son, right? Meaning like the, the scribe, right? Or the charter, but ledger, right? Heath Ledger played joker. And then shut on a chosen son, but y'all are staying fair weather like broker. So it's S-O-N for son, but S-U-N to then stay fair weather like Al Roker, the weatherman. And then we go passionate highs going for broke, sir. So then this is where it starts to get even more complex. I'm on deck, I ain't waiting the whole, sir. I take community and build opportunity with triple digit worth. Y'all can have second. I'm like intentional walks. Give me first, give me dirt, Google it and give me earth. Take your B school, connect and read the room, but give me yours. So here's what's happening in these bars. In baseball, right? You're if you're next up to bat, you're on deck. If you're next, next up in bat, 
you're in the hole. That's the terminology, right? So this song is about being the next thing, right? So mm-hmm. if I'm next, I'm on deck. And I'm saying, so I'm on deck, but I ain't waiting the whole sir. So I'm in line, but don't push me too far down in line. Yeah. And then, so I'm on deck, I ain't waiting the whole sir. I take community and build opportunity with triple digit worth. Y'all can have second. I'm like intentional walks. Give me first, give me dirt, Google it and give me earth. So we're carrying the baseball analogy here. Mm-hmm. But if you notice, we have, y'all can have second. I'm like intentional walks. Give me first, right? So when you get intentionally walked, they give you first base. It's a free pass. Mm-hmm. So you can take second place. Just give me first. You can take second base. In fact, give me first, Google it and give me earth or give me first, give me dirt, Google it and give me earth. So like you're kicking up dirt as you trotting on your way to first base. But the other thing that comes out in this is we have, what I'm doing is saying three, two, one. So mm. build opportunity with triple digit worth. Y'all can have second. I'm like intentional walks. Give me first. So, so three, two, one is what happens across those lyrics. That's epic, man. I, I did not, I caught all the rest of that, right? I caught the Joker and the Ledger and Roker and the Fairweather. I got the long form baseball analogy. I did not catch the idea that you're going from three to one. And does that, does that do something in the brain? Is there some, is that like the logistical sequence of that? Is that part of storytelling? Is that something, or is that just uh, like an extra layer to throw in there that you're proud of? Once you realize it's there, you're like, whoa, holy shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it, yeah. it adds an extra layer of meaning for sure. And it's not just that it's three, two, one. It's that what's, what do you have in baseball? Third base, second base, first base. What do you have in baseball? Mm-hmm. A triple, right? That's a hit. Yeah. So I start with the triple, or it's a triple digit worth, but it's also hitting a triple in baseball and yeah. it's hitting on each of these bases. And that's, it's showing this again, it's, it's, what is it? A double to triple entendre at that point or, a, or triple layers of three layers of meaning that just mm-hmm. help make every word have that much more impact behind it. So it's not just, this is where I think there's the ability to rhyme, which is one skill set. There's the ability to storytell and rhyme, which is another skill set. But like, you read Harry Potter and you didn't realize, oh, this is this reference in chapter 13 actually impacts what's happening here in chapter 19 that reflects, that actually represents lost opportunity and missing dreams as he's in that moment thinking about those things. And yeah. once you hear that, you're like, oh man, like this is so cool. And it, it makes you want to go back and watch it again. Or in this case, you go back and you listen again to be like, oh, now that I know what's really happening here. Yeah. Let me listen for the full experience or let me see what else I can catch that I missed. Yeah. It's a new level of appreciation. For whatever reason, it made me think of in the category thinkers community, there's this whole thread about the guys that are really into big fiction novels and series and and how they're into the world building aspect of it. And it's almost like in hip hop, you're world building with words, right? You have the rhyme, you have the storytelling, and then you're also creating this whole like ecosystem within it of what all the words mean. And can if you go a level deeper and a level deeper in it, it's affinity, right? That's the wink for the sophisticated person that can really listen in and coming away with this brain excitement thing that you're able to do in this next set of bars, I think is my favorite. When you do this here, when you do this next part here on all the different like famous entrepreneurs of our time, I'm your next case study, bootstrap, give me spurs, still the perfect match for these investors like I'm Whitney Heard. Tell Musk our crew here to get the payload. 
10 years getting more pesos than Bezos But in a different way though Yeah, they know The next Sarah Blakely, maybe At least I spank the competition on the daily And Mark Zuckerberg, he can suck a turd I'ma get my face booked in every single metaverse And this is not a metaverse Got Cheryl Sandberg leaning in instead of Hediverse I'd love to know like when you came up with that part where you just like doing an exercise in, in, in Bezos and Zuckerberg and blah, blah, blah. Or like, how'd you come up with that piece? It was really like, if someone's out here claiming they're the next, there's gotta be like a reference point. Right. So it's like, mm -hmm. everyone says, Oh, I'm the next, I'm the next this, I'm the next that. So this persona has to have that comparison level in there to be like, F these people or I'm the second coming of this or I'm the third coming of this, whatever, right? So what's buried in that one? So Whitney Hurd is the founder of Bumble, but she previously worked at Tinder. She previously co-founded Tinder. And there's a, there's a big story about how she left Tinder unceremoniously. And there was some like, there was a lawsuit against those guys, I believe, around how she was treated as a co-founder. But she, but why would I say I'm the perfect, still the perfect match for these investors like I'm Whitney Heard? One, Bumble did get funded, right? So there's that. But if she was previously mm -hmm. a Tinder and ultimately Tinder sold to the match group, match.com. So mm -hmm. perfect match, Whitney Heard, it ties back to actually her origin story of the company she first started ended up getting acquired by Match. And then from there, tell Musk, our crew here to get the payload, right? Payload is part of what was a component of sending off a, a rocket into space. But in this case, we're like getting like our payday is coming mm -hmm. in 10 years, getting more pesos than Bezos. That one's obvious, but in a different way though. Yeah, they know. And then the next Sarah Blakely, maybe at least I spanked the competition on the daily Sarah Blakely, founder of Spanx. His next part is just funny, right? Oh, Mark yeah. Zuckerberg, he can suck a turd. <laughs> Dude. But then the next line, next couple of lines here get that get into that, you know, the layers, right? Mark Zuckerberg, yep. he can suck a turd. I'm gonna get my face booked in every single metaverse. And this is not a metaverse. Got Cheryl Sandberg leaning in instead of Hediverse. So get my face booked in every single metaverse, right? Facebook mm -hmm. to metaverse. And this is not a meta verse. So capital M E T A space verse. So this is not a verse for meta, right? And mm -hmm. at the same time, it's a double entendre because it's not only not a verse for meta ink, it is also me saying this is not me speaking hypothetically either. Yeah. M E T A is also the idea behind this. This is not a meta verse or it's not like above you, right? Got Sheryl Sandberg leaning in instead of head of verse, right? Sheryl Sandberg, formerly Facebook COO, and she wrote the book Lean In, right? So it's, I even got her leaning in instead of head of verse, meaning pulling back. Mm -hmm. I make the album of the founders couldn't get a verse. So I think that's just like a nice cap off to that part. Like, just throw that energy on the table. Like, I make a whole album. No one else is even getting a single verse kind of thing. Yeah, it's great. It's the whole, it's like the endo of cocky energy, right? Like you're comparing yourself to all these like household names of these unicorns and whatnot. And then at the end of the, and that's, that's metaphorical of a founder doing it. But then it's you saying, Hey man, I'm the only founder out here that can actually rap a whole album, <laughs> which is when I was like, yeah, yeah, man, you are truly unique in this space. So you try, you transcend the like the abstract cockiness to individual cockiness in the middle of it. I love it. So now, and now we hit the next um, part, 
right? This is this part's a little, it's like a wink here in the song. So I make the album other founders couldn't get a verse. I get around like you skip the sound and press reverse and now heard how I get the purse. That's me saying, so I get around. Like I raise capital like later on in the album, the song called I Get Around is what I'm saying there. So it's, I get around, like you skip the sound and press reverse and now heard how I get the first. So what that means is I'm saying, I get around, like you went to that song, you skipped it and pressed reverse and now heard how I get the first, right? So if you were to skip the song within press reverse and go back and then listen, that song is about ra- like how I've just raised capital. And so that this one couplet is a nudge to what you're going to hear later on in the album. And interestingly enough, I Get Around was the first single of the album. So if you're following closely to your story, that is the experience of listening to this stuff, right? Like people heard this song first and then they got to experience the whole album and see the beginning of it, right? Yeah, exactly. And of course, since we already had that recorded, I knew that was coming so I could make this lyric. That's true. That's true. That's cool, man. That's interesting. Then it looks like it goes into kind of like this like juxtaposition of being a self-made person right so now right now i get the purse these days i'm getting private jets and insured playing shit meaning the pizza place driver know me by first name curse frame i've been starting shit since the third grade it's not the juxtaposition of self-made it's actually the acknowledgement of where things actually are today in the journey it's like you may come off as flashy and like you have it all figured out but the reality is far different So these days I'm getting private jets and insured planes. The J in jets is a capital J. So it'll make sense in the next line. Shit, meaning the pizza place driver know me by first name. Jets Pizza is a pizza chain. So when I say private jets and insured plane, really all I'm saying is that I order Jets Pizza so often (laughs) that the pizza driver from Jets now knows me by first name. And so, right, you hear that once and you're like, oh, this person's lavish and, and like they have the life. And that's what someone in this state is like trying to present or trying to press forward and create that image. But the reality is like this version of a private jet is just the fact that your pizza comes to you all the time with the same driver. And probably if you go back to I can be anything, you probably make sure you don't want to miss out on using the coupon in the process. <laughs> and then it's it, it just from there, it's I've been trying to do this forever, right? Cursed frame. I've been starting shit since the third grade. Meaning just like I've been trying to start businesses since third grade. And that's actually true of me. I think my first idea for a business ever was in third grade. And it was cutting out, it was a friend and I making video game strategy guides for like Mortal Kombat. So it was a short-lived venture, however, because we literally took the actual one you bought from the store. We'd cut out pages and then glue them onto construction paper into our version. And it was short-lived when we realized after you like, you can max out at one copy if you're cutting out paper from an actual book <laughs> and it's going to cost you more to buy that book than what you're going to sell yours for. So that was actually a nod to like, I have actually been doing, figuring out entrepreneurship since the third grade. Now these deals got me on my heels about to turn face. Really? If you're on your heels, you feel like you're backed up against a wall, but this is actually a pro wrestling nod. So in pro wrestling, the bad guy is the heel. The good guy is the face. 
So it's like these deals here are, are about to turn me from being a bad guy into a good guy or being in a bad situation to being in a good situation. I was just making like an observation of <clears throat> identifying people that were entrepreneurial when we were young and then being entrepreneurs now. And I wonder with with the entrepreneurs that you work with and the founders you work with, is that a constant pattern or do you ever have like founders, entrepreneurs that never really had done that and just figured out late in life? Because it wasn't cool when we were kids and now it is, right? right. So I wonder how many of the folks you work with talk yeah. about this idea that they've always just been hustling on the side. It's it's funny you say that because one of the things when we're working with founders on their pitch that we will work to figure out is how is the business you're running now an extension of how you think? And just another example in a long line of personal examples of you having done stuff like this throughout your entire life, even if it wasn't starting a business, how is this just... Is your app about community building and you've always built communities for as long as you can remember, whether it was your church group, whether it was leading your high school team to victory, or whether it was doing a fundraiser for a friend's parent who had, a, who had an illness. That's the story we try and figure out is how do we show that the business you're doing today actually is just the only way you know how to operate and it's what you've always been doing in different forms. And that shows that it's not just some like, convenient thing you're doing now, but you could, you might drop it in a few weeks if you find something else that's more interesting. Because if you can convey that story to to an investor, then it shows how much commitment you really do have. Again, it's not that everyone we've worked with is a history of being an entrepreneur, quote unquote, but have they been entrepreneurial in their pursuits? And is their current pursuit just a different manifestation of something they've always done? Hey, I hope you've been enjoying the conversation on Making the Goat thus far. We still have a whole lot more to dive into on this song in this episode. But before we go any further, I want to just pause and let you know about a partner who was instrumental in helping bring the album to life, a partner who's been instrumental on this podcast and supporting it, and just who's been overall a huge supporter of Startup Hype Man's overall goat-to-market platform. And that partner of ours is Akeba, and I want them to become your partner in software development. And if you do that, they're going to help you go from zero to one. Whether that's blockchain or no chain, Web3 or Web2, mobile apps or SaaS, Akeva builds it at startup speed and enterprise level refinement and class. That's why startups like Stride Health, Haveno, Olive Side, and so many more have trusted Akeva from their first dollar all the way up to their billion dollar valuation. And they're ready to help you become the goat to market. I've sent a bunch of startups Akeva's way. They've all been so grateful for the connection and they have a killer offer for you. It's called a You Call It Code Review. What does that mean? Akeva will review the most critical parts of your code so you can see exactly what your tech needs to launch or scale. And they'll do this completely free and then you call it from there. So you wanna handle things on your own? You call it. Wanna get Akeva's dev help? You call it. Wanna take it somewhere else? You call it. It's an unbeatable offer and like I said, they've been Startup Hype Man's partner in supporting the Goat to Market platform. They even get a shout out in one of the songs on the album. And I want them to become your partner in software development. Ready to see if you qualify for a You Call It code review? Well, just fill out the inquiry form on their website at akava.io. That's a k a v a.io. akava.io and tell them Startup Hype Man sent you. Back now to the conversation. That makes a lot of sense. 
So they're so it's incorporating the story of the founder being a missionary solving their own problem adds inherent value to the pitch. Yeah, and it doesn't solving your own problem is great, but just think about the fact that you've always solved problems like this before. So a good example, this guy Scott DeGrossier, the founder of Wicked Reports, right? It's it is functionally a an e-commerce software that is all around data capture and being predictive with the data capture. But what we found was that being predictive with data capture is something he's always done. Going back to when he was 13 years old, his grandfather took him to the horse racing track and he sat there with a big notebook on his lap and he basically drew out a spreadsheet and modeled out different outcomes of the races based on the betting odds. And then ended up, his grandfather ended up having to pull him away from the track because he won a bunch of money and he's 13 years old and can't be gambling. And that led to later on, he got kicked out of his first fantasy baseball league because before ESPN and Yahoo were automating stats and everything, he was the one out there who was in an Excel spreadsheet building out all these predictive models to generate a powerhouse team that no one could touch. And then professionally, that led to managing terabytes of data at apartments.com. And this, and that's why when today, when we talk about Wicked Reports, what we're saying is it's the next in a series of being deeply committed to solving problems around data and using the data you have to be more predictive with it. I get it. Yeah. I think this next dancer was the first one that you're like, Dude, you have no idea how good this is. Though I'm trying to make it out my birthplace, first place. If you ask him about our burn rate, call me LeBron in the game. I'm about to lose heat, but warming up under pressure, getting hot like a sous vide. So Cavalier, I hit the lake for y'all to cool me. A championship need water to stay booyied. There's like quadruple entendres in this. <laughs> tell me tell me about this one. Okay, so first place, and if you ask him about our burn rate, so burn rate is meaning like how much cash are you spending per month, how much cash are you burning per month? That's your burn rate. And if you ask him about our burn rate, call me LeBron of the game. I'm about to lose heat. So these next four bars, while explaining our burn rate, I'm also making a call to LeBron's career and justifying the decisions he made over the last decade in his career in order to stay on top, right? In order to stay in first place, because that's how it starts, right? First place. And if you ask him about our burn rate, call me LeBron of the game about to lose heat. What burns? Heat, right? So burn rate and heat. Call me LeBron of the game about to lose heat. So he left the heat, but warming up under pressure, getting hot like a sous vide. LeBron's known by many as a pressure under pressure player, that can be debated, but he does have enough highlights that would indicate that he does perform under pressure. So he lost the heat, but he was still warming up, especially as the pressure got higher because the decision he made was one that was it was a step back for all intents and purposes. He left the big three in the heat to go to Cleveland. So warming up under pressure, getting hot like a sous vide. A sous vide is a cooking implement, cooking instrument that involves cooking food by creating pressure with water. So warming up under pressure, getting hot like a sous vide. So cavalier, I hit the lake for y'all to cool me. So that's like a very cavalier attitude about this whole thing. What did LeBron do? He went from the heat to the Cavs. So now we hit his second team in the last decade. So heat, Cavs, so cavalier, I hit the lake for y'all to cool me. Where did he go from the Cavs? To the Lakers. 
what do you do? You jump into a lake to cool off, right? So this is the twilight of his career. He's technically supposed to cool off as an athlete, as a professional basketball player. So cavalier, I hit the lake for y'all to cool me. A championship needs water to stay buoyed, right? A ship needs water to stay afloat, buoyed. But a championship in this case needed water, aka the Lakers, to stay. So LeBron, to get a championship and keep his career afloat, needed to go to the Lakers, needed that water, quote unquote, because it's a lake, to stay afloat and stay atop and and stay at the center of the conversation. So those bars there are literally just retelling and justifying LeBron's career of the last decade while talking about how we have a strong burn rate as a company for a potential investor who's looking at us. Yeah. And the willingness to make the tough decisions to to stay on top, right? Is essentially right. The, the story of this as a leader. And I like it's, I, I, I thought it was brilliant, man. Like when you say, I'm obviously a big LeBron fan because I'm and like the, and I'm not even the, like a huge LeBron. Like I'm not a LeBron hater. Oh, I know. And I'll, I'll still say Jordan any day. But I, I, it was worth saying in these bars, and I thought it was just a really, it was a fun thing to write and a good way to to get the point across. Yeah, for sure, for sure, great way to get the point across. Even though you don't necessarily like him, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't not like. Him. I just don't. I, I don't automatically go to him. <laughs> I know. I got you. I got you. Okay, then. And the next part that I really start to echo with is this whole idea of. Well, my friends find it hard now to speak to me normally. They can't understand the war and this the beaches of Normandy. Damn, I might as well spend my weekends in quarantine. Call me Cena. You can't see me, but soon there'll be more of me. Feels very much, very much the founder journey that I keep going back to. And you have a couple of really colorful lines around it. You want to talk to me about this part? This is really, yeah, it's echoing that what starts to happen as you build a company is maybe like the friend group you once had starts to change. Maybe you, you lose friends completely. And it's something that, that happened to me actually in my journey. There are some friends who stayed along for the ride who I'm grateful for. There are others who fell off partly because of me. I would, I think when you're in that mode, you just, you get so focused and you lose track of certain relationships, but also partly because I think the circle of people who can actually relate to what you're doing becomes smaller and smaller. And your friend group just starts to shift naturally as a result. So it's, my friends find it hard now to speak to me normally. They can't understand the war and this the beaches of Normandy. Damn, I might as well spend my weekends in quarantine. We all know Normandy D-Day. Mm-hmm. Damn, I might as well spend my weekends in quarantine. So it's, it's a nod to like COVID and quarantine and everything like that. It's, shit, there's no point in going outside anyways because no one understands me. So I might as well spend my weekends in quarantine. Call me Cena, you can't see me, but soon there'll be more of me. And I'm in the middle of this war. Call me Cena. You can't see me, but soon there'll be more of me, right? So John Cena, famous wrestler, and his punchline was he'd throw his hand in front of his face and he'd say, you can't see me. So that's what it's like. If I'm stuck in quarantine and I'm hiding out in the basement or in the office all weekend anyways, like just call me Cena because you literally can't see me. But you know what? Soon there'll be more of me. And what's the double sort of meaning in that is if I do this right, you're going to see me everywhere. And if you look at John Cena... During his you can't see me phase, meaning like when he was full-time pro wrestler, some people knew about him. Now that he's full-time actor, part-time pro wrestler, more people know him. So it's funny, like when he was saying, now that he's no longer saying you can't see me all the time, people can actually see him in a lot of places. So that's the double meaning behind that. It's not just 
using his tagline, but it's also saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to follow his path. I'm going to stay in this niche right now, but I'm going to blow up and you'll see me everywhere. Yeah. And I think another part of it is the idea of, yeah, you'll see me everywhere because I'm blowing up. But if I do this, I get to own my time and I get to spend time with the people that I love and I get to do the things that I really want to do. So there'll be more of me, right? Yeah. There's There'll be more of me to give. And yeah. I just, to me, these four lines and what comes after it, because you go from the social group to like the family kind of dynamic, which I think is on point too. But this idea of feeling like I'm more and more alienated from my friends because I don't know the the fact that like the third best linebacker in high school is declaring for the University of Florida next week. And I just couldn't care less because I'm in a drop down fight to figure out this product market fit for my company and keep <laughs> things rolling and feed myself and prove everybody wrong. And the growing sense of alienation and the desire to be like, yeah, man, one of these days I'll be back and I'll be like, I'll be back in the swamp in the skybox because now we've got time and we can mess around with this type of stuff is really, really spoke to me. Yeah. So I and, it was great. and I think, and I don't know if you've had this happen too, but you lose, you do lose some friends along the way because you just can't relate to the same stuff anymore. Correct. Whether it's professional or personal or whatever, it's just like the environment changes and now you realize the stuff you used to connect on, you don't really connect on anymore. Or you can't keep connecting on those things anymore. And there's not yeah. new stuff for you. And it was almost like quarantine made it more normal, right? Like when we were all in quarantine, it, I felt more normal to be in my own bunker doing my thing as opposed to what everybody else was doing all the time. So I thought that the, I thought that the might as well be in quarantine was an apt analogy. And then you continue it too. And, and I feel like you've hit on, you've hit on the family dynamic a couple of times, right? My family would rather see me hold a steady job, but how? When my mind is already preoccupied on them six or seven ways to make a dollar sign, do it in my own way every day so I can still call it mine. This And this is stuff that was personal to me, right? Yeah. I, I know my family to my face and also I know behind my back <laughs> had conversations again with me and then amongst each other about what is he doing? Like he's lost, like he's lost his way. He left a good job and now he's just like floundering out there, can't seem to figure it out. And that's right, that's the sentiment coming through that I know so many face is like your family looks at you and they're like, oh, this person's crazy. And they would rather see you hold this the well-paying job that is steady and you get the paycheck every two weeks because it's safe. And there's no most of the time family just doesn't want to see you suffer or struggle. And that's the place that it comes from. So that's what's coming through here, right? They'd rather see me hold the steady job. And then Conversely, like in your own mind, but how when my mind is already preoccupied on them six or seven ways to make a dollar. So like the other ways I could be doing this, right? On them six or seven ways to make a dollar sign. And six or seven ways to make a dollar sign is not only like the different paths of revenue and like the ideas you have in your head to make it big, but it's also thinking about like making six and seven figures ultimately too, mm -hmm. which is what people dream about on them six or seven ways to make a dollar sign, do it in my own way every day so I can still call it mine. So it's, I'll sacrifice the steady paycheck and I'll take eating shit for a while if it means ultimately that I can do things on my terms and still say that it's mine at the end of the day when all is said and done. From there, we continue the family analogy and start to get into some more of this like startup language that's hidden, that's buried in here. On Friday nights, they order black label, argue over dinner plates, and I don't sit with the kids. I'm off thinking about the cap table. Am I just gambling my future like a craps table? The perils of wanting everything like the last.
So you think about being at, at dinner, right? There's the adults table and the kids table. So in this case, it's like, I'm saying like, I'm not sitting at the kids table because I'm thinking about the cap table. You could also take this to mean if this is a founder who has kids, they're unintentionally being a little bit of like an absentee parent in this moment because they're trying to make sure that their fam- themselves, their family is set up long-term. So it's, I'm going to sacrifice this short-term moment with my kids because I know I have to th- think about this stuff, the cap table, right? The capitalization table, who's on, who, who all has stake in my company. And then that's where you have that competing thought. Am I just gambling my future like a craps table? The perils of wanting everything like the last bagel. So we come back to this idea of meals and food. So that's where the, the perils of wanting everything like the last bagel. A parable for the truth, not a sad fable. So it's not only are we telling the story here, but the rhyme scheme is you've got layers of internal rhymes as well, right? The perils of wanting everything like the last bagel. A parable for the truth, right? Perils of parable for the truth and not a sad fable. It's awesome, man. I had not realized the genius in in that last kind of stanza because I was so focused on the friends and the family piece, but that whole give and take of being treated like a kid and or not spending time with your kids and the feeling of doubt around whether you're taking this gamble, but it's not really a gamble for you because you don't know any other way to be except super hungry and really want it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's phenomenal, man. It's beautiful. Then we shift into the hey yo, pass the halo. Cause I got angels like I died and went to heaven. Cause I got angels, chances rhyming as my reverend. Cause I got angels and I hymen at Jim Edmonds. Cause I got angels, yeah, and that's how I get investment. So if you got an angel investor, angels wear halos, right? Cause I got angels like I died and went to heaven. Cause I got angels, chances rhyming as my reverend, right? Chance had the famous song Angels, Chance the Rapper. Cause I got angels. Anaheim in it. Jim Edmonds was a center fielder in baseball who played a lot of his career for the Anaheim Angels. This yep. is a this is a mid late nineties reference. Yep, yep, yep. Because <laughs> I got angels, and that's how I get investment, right? So it's these are all the things that all what I'm saying ultimately is this is how I get investment is through some angels. On my B to B and D to C and B to B to D to C, the frequency of beasts, I get more striped than Adidas feet. Bias because you like us or is it bias of recency? Shut them down like cold calls, delete and never speak to me. So Stripe with a capital S, right? Stripe is the payments processor, but we know the Adidas, like the classic Adidas logo is the three stripes on the side of the sneaker, right? So I'm saying I get more payments processed, more Stripe than Adidas feet, than what's on the sneaker. And then you can tell before that the line is, or the, the words before that are the frequency of beast, meaning like the, the rate of transactions is so high. Bias because you like us, or is it bias of recency? Shut them down like cold calls, delete and never speak to me. The contrast is pretty stark in size, they hating on my skin tone, then they go and blame it on the market size. One of the things that's common in the venture capital game is investors have recency bias. They will invest in the next thing because they feel good about the most recent thing they invested in that was similar, or they will not invest in the next thing because let's say they recently invested in some industry and that industry is now not performing well, or the startups in the industry aren't performing well. So you're constantly having to fight against the recency bias game with an investor against, do they actually like us or not? I would even say in marketing, that is a bias because you like us is do I invest in brand or is it bias of recency? Should I be investing in like direct response, get in front of you all day long, right? Yeah. I didn't have that, but that works as well. And I also think too, what it can echo as well is 
if you're a customer, are you buying something because you actually like it or it just happens to be in front of you at that time? Yeah. Are you buying off of desire or commodity? Yeah. Yeah. That's a very fundamental business question. <laughs> so then we go shut them down like cold calls, delete and never speak to me. And this next part here is all about you know how you get dodged by venture capitalists all the time, right? The contrast is pretty stark in size. They hating on my skin tone, then they go and blame it on the market size. One of the lo- one of the big stats out there is women and people of color and other minority founders receive two percent or less of all venture capital dollars that are out there. And a lot of times, the way that happens is not like an overt racist act or an overt prejudice. It comes in these subconscious bias ways. So that's what comes back to the bias from the earlier line. But the idea is like, they will pass on you and say it's, oh, the market size isn't big enough. Potentially what's happening subconsciously is they think, oh, black founder is not going to make it, right? Woman founder, not going to have the the guts to, to see this through to the finish. So that's what it, it's a nod to the discrepancy that happens in venture capital. Or, or even the market size around the problem that doesn't affect a middle-aged white guy. I think yeah. it was, I think it was like thinks, which was this, I, they've had their own controversies, but they did really well in coming out with these panties that allowed for you to not have to wear tampons or maxi pads. There's like panties for periods that you could just wear naturally. And she went to all sorts of different VCs and they're like, eh, I don't know, maybe I'm going to ask my wife. And yeah. <laughs> they, she, they didn't realize how huge of a problem that was and how massive of a category that could create because they have these biases. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's spot on, right? These are, there's so many things they'll look at the market size and say, ah, eh, it's not big enough, or I don't understand that market well enough. But the reality is, are they hating on your skin tone in the background or your gender or subconscious, yeah. all these things? Mm-hmm. And then we go. It's Halloween when I see him. Look, a shark with eyes. Somebody better hand me the keys like it's a parking ride. So you think about Shark Tank or the idea that like an investor is quote unquote a shark. So it's they're wearing a shark costume. That's why you, you picture like, you got the waist up shark outfit, but then their legs are sticking out the bottom. So it's a phenomenal thing to picture. Almost <laughs> as good as Mark Zuckerberg sucking a turd. And, and I always think about like, when I think of a shark with thighs, I think about, like, remember when Katy Perry did the Super Bowl? Yeah, there was that whole yeah, like, left shark thing. Like that type of shark is what I picture yeah. in terms of like the, the graphics of it. Yeah. So a shark with thighs, somebody better hand me the keys like it's a park and ride. So park and ride is like when you go to the airport, right? You drop off your keys and you, you park in one of the external lots. And then you ride to the airport in a shuttle. So that's the idea there. And I'm pretty sure I thought of that line while I was in the act of doing that. Like I was going to the airport and I dropped off my car at a park and ride. That's awesome. But I'm saying like, hey, hand me the keys. Hand me the keys to this to this ship, to this vehicle, whatever. Trust me, I'm the one who can take charge here. And that's how that that section ends. Still, they want the bottom line. I'm in it giving signs like prop circles. Asking, did I do that? Yeah, but I'm not Urkel. I did not see... The Family Matters Urkel line coming, which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah, were you a big Family Matters fan? <laughs> I was a kid at the time, but I really did love Urkel, and I think I would always say, just like around the house, "Did I do that?" <laughs> but that those couple bars there are pretty self-explanatory, right? I'm in it giving signs like crop circles, like the movie. But then from there, I think it actually gets pretty pretty layered. I blew by how they read me like I got purple. So I'm using the words that have double spelling to them, right? I blew by how they read me, B-L-E-W and R-E-A-D. But 
B-L-U-E and R-E-D create the color purple. So I blew by how they read me like I got purple. Is has That's why I got purple because blue and red equal purple. And then look at the next Steve Jobs, but I don't stock turtle next. So take your guinea pigs and your gerbils, y'all verbals are lip service and loose checks. So when you give a verbal, it's quite literally just lip service and loose checks. Um, meanwhile, I'm the answer to asking who's next. So it's like, you're going to give me all this lip service and you're going to treat me as your guinea pig or the gerbil in this experiment. But I'm over here and I'm telling you, if you're asking that question, who's next? I am the answer. Background nod to if you remember the wrestler Goldberg in the 90s, his catchphrase would always, he really, he wasn't, he was not a great promo on the mic at all. But his one thing he'd say was he'd just get on the mic and be like, who's next? Because he just kept defeating person after person and had this crazy undefeated streak. So I just thought that was like a fun little like thing to add in there from me being the creator of this and knowing how much where if I can stuff a wrestling reference in, I will. <laughs> You've proven that. You've proven that to be correct. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm the answer to asking who's next. Like a life of loose sex, send it in a blue text and give me back the red receipt. All my black checking, yo, I'm never getting red receipts. And that's my legacy. So don't mess with me or get the best of me. You best to stay abreast of me. Y'all just the rest of me. So if you had a life of loose sex, you would be asking who's next a lot. Yeah. And then I say, send it in a blue text. So like, think about the iPhone, right? You get a blue text. Mm -hmm. So you'd almost be texting someone being like, all right, who's next? And then, so send it in a blue text and give me back the red receipt. So I'm bringing back the blue, the red, the color scheme thing again. So give me back the red receipt, which is what you get when you've sent, right? When someone sees your text or you see someone else's text, you can have the little you know acknowledgement of the red receipt, R-E-A-D. But I'm using the color thing again, blue, red, and black, and red again, come back around. So send it in a blue text. Give me back the red receipt. On my black, check it, yo. I'm never getting red receipts. So black meaning like we're in the black as a company. Check it meaning like check this out, but check meaning like write the check. Mm -hmm. I'm never getting red, R-E-D receipts. So give me the red receipt, R-E-A-D, like acknowledge it, but I'm never getting red receipts, R-E-D, meaning like I'm in the black and not the red so I'm making money, not losing money. And that's my legacy. So don't mess with me or get the best of me. You bet you best to stay abreast of me. Y'all just the rest to me. So it's just, man, quit fucking talking about other people. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like the I like the the Steve Jobs and the turtle next to then who's next. The idea that Jobs's second company was the was next right didn't he after he left apple he had a company called next or something like that that was like the thing that he was going to create i think adds another if layer that's true i can't take credit for knowing that but let's say <laughs> that's what i was going for in those that, that's what i was and thinking that, about that's man. insane if that is true <laughs> yeah yeah i remember there, there was a big thing after apple left like his project was like the next or something like that also which i thought that was cool the one of the things that we did in these lyrics, because th this has to, ha I would say this is a more like advanced rap skill, especially if you're going with the more basic beat this song has, is the ability to bounce around the flow a little bit and get advanced in how you're going to like abruptly switch direction in, in the, the pattern. So, like, we have a few, we have Urkel, Purple, Turtle, but Turtle is just the first half of a word, Turtle Next. And then next, that idea that X sound becomes now the new rhyme pattern very quickly and almost before you even realize it. I say it's a more advanced thing because I think it, as a rapper myself, 
it wasn't something I could, I definitely could not do that on day one, like to not finish a thought in a line and actually not only continue the thought, but continue a word into it to start the next line. It's, I think it works really well here. And it's just something that it takes a certain level of doing this for a while to be able to pull that off and have it all still make sense too. Yeah, totally, man. Like this is definitely the technically most advanced song on the album that like just blows. The first time I heard it, I was like, oh, this is cool. It sounds like Drake. And the more and more you dive into it, the more stories you find. Right? I think this episode is probably going to be the longest one because we dive into like almost every single line, the amount of thought. Yeah. By the way, yes. Next, the company was founded Apple by Apple Computer co-founder and CEO Steve Jobs after he was forcibly removed from Apple in 1985, introduced <laughs> his first product. That was his that was the second company after he left Apple. Boom. <laughs> I honestly had no idea that was the case. That's, that's hilarious. even better that is the case. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's meant to be. And I'm just going to come back to those lyrics for a second, but it's not just that we stopped, we broke up the word turtlenecks into the end of one line and the start of next line, but then look at how we go from turtle to guinea pig to gerbil, right? Like it's, we just hit on three different animals basically to to get the point across. And then verbal becomes guinea pigs and your gerbils, y'all verbals, right? So we kill the herbal rhyme scheme in the start of that next line, Mm -hmm. which is something that you'll notice some of the more advanced rappers will do. They will They'll use a new line, just the first half or the beginning of a new line to complete a rhyme scheme and then change into a new rhyme scheme. So y'all verbals ends the herbal, the herbal kind of sound. And then we get into the checks, the next, the sex, the text, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you end with another one of these consonances at the end of. So fuck the SMP. I'm going to make the whole world by my NFT. We out for profit, not an NFP. That's how we do it as the NXT. Yeah, the NXT. Uh, the NXT. I had that in my I had that in my back pocket for a long time. And I was just waiting for the right song to unload it on. And I thought just closing out this perfect. It just made sense because it's like you come to the end of this song and it's it's this character like having the sense of exhaustion over how obvious it is that they are the answer to the question, right? That they are the next big thing and getting across that point that why, how do you not see what I see? And even in saying, how do you not see what I see? Also having this self, this element of self-doubt around like, the cap table and worried about that. That's why you're not present at dinner, that kind of stuff. So it's like you get to the end of the that previous part where it's don't mess with me or get the best of me. You best to stay abreast of me. Y'all just the rest to me. It's like, you're so exhausted that at that point, all you have left in you in your thoughts is like, you just throw your arms up and you're like, so just fuck everything. So fuck the SMP. I'm going to make the whole world by my NFT. Like, we the NXT already. Right? That's that's why it ends on that like slower, just dancey rhyme pattern and not something that doesn't end on it gives it just that like casual ending because this character doesn't have anything left to give 
uh, by that point. And then from there on out, the album just gets gangster. <laughs> <laughs>